Hey everyone, it's Pastor Micah, lead pastor here at High Praise Crestview. I want to say thank you for choosing to listen to today's podcast. I want to encourage you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening from today and go connect with us on social media as well. My prayer is that as you listen to this message, you're encouraged, blessed, and transformed by the power of the Word of God. Now open your heart and get ready to receive what God wants to speak to you today. this morning to Acts chapter 2. We're going to continue our series, uh, The Transformation Room. This is the conclusion of our series. This is the last week of this message. How many of you have been encouraged by this series, have learned something in this series? I think it's been really, really good. Um, I was talking with somebody the other day at our Next Steps classes, which we have going on right now, and they said you're, they told me that, you know, uh, you're really more like a, a practical life preacher. You're the application preacher. And, you know, I was talking to him. I was like, I think that's just because when I read the word, like, that's what I want. I, I don't, I want to know how does this practically change my life? On a practical day-to-day basis, how can I implement the word? It's awesome that the Lord wants to bless us. It's awesome that the Lord wants the fire of God living and dwelling within us. Okay, so what does the fire of God do for me? Like, that's the questions that I start asking myself. And I don't know if anybody else is like that, but I really preach from the standpoint of what the questions I really want answered. <laughs> and I know there's many other people that often feel that way where they're, okay, well, the blessing of the Lord, I, I want the blessing of the Lord in my life, but we're like, okay, so now what do I do with the blessing of the Lord? Well, you turn around and you become a generous person and you bless others that are around you. What's the fire of the Lord do in your life? Well, it burns up impurities and it purifies you and you should be walking in holiness and righteousness. It, it says no to sin. That's what grace does in your life according to Titus 2. Well, it's, it literally empowers you to say no to sin is what grace does. So this whole series, the idea behind it is Pentecost. For those of you who may have missed the past couple of weeks, uh, Pentecost was two weeks ago. And I, I began to ask the Lord what he wanted to say. And he, of course, you're going to preach at Acts 2 when it's Pentecost, right? You're going to preach on the upper room experience. And I didn't, I, I knew that the Lord had something different. So I began to study. And then this whole series was birthed in a matter of time. And I've, and I've had five different points that we, uh, we actually only talked about three of them, but five different points that we've been going through that an upper room transformation should lead to. Not just an experience, but a transformation. Anytime you are in the presence of God, there should be transformation that takes place. We are not here to feel the goosebumps of heaven. We are here to feel what God wants, hear what he's saying, and do what he's calling us to do. If we aren't doing that, we're having an experience, but we're not being an active, uh, an activator and a demonstrator of the kingdom of God. Our goal is to bring the kingdom of heaven into earth, right? That should be, that should be one of our goals. If you're wanting to bring the kingdom of heaven into earth, guess what? Things are going to have to change from your carnal mindset and the ways that you were raised and the ways that you did things and even some of the ways that you were taught things. I'm not claiming to know everything. I want you to hear me this morning. But I do, I, 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 want to hear ba- I want you to hear balance of this, okay? Always really lean in to what's being taught and double check the scripture. You want to know why I use so much? Some of y'all are like, Pastor Mike, you use way too much scripture. Like every message, there's like 33 different uh, 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 points of scripture that you use. You want to know why? I go ahead and do the double checking for you. Like, and I go and give you the tools that you need. Because I want to be somebody who's preaching biblically sound doctrine, not preference sound 
thinking. The reason the scripture talks about someone who's swayed by every wind of doctrine is because a lot of people have came up with their own doctrines based on their preferences. And I don't know where I'm going to in this, but somebody needs to hear this this morning, apparently. What I'm getting at here is that the transformation should take place whenever we are in a room full of his spirit. Where is he? Where two or three are gathered in his name? There he is in the midst of them. So whenever we're gathered in worship, when we're gathered in praise, listen, the spirit of God is in the room. And I believe that you can be transformed by the power of the word and by the power of his spirit. Amen. Now, I'm going to give you, I'm not going to do what I did last week and preach the whole message again. But I'm going to give you very quickly, for those who may have missed the last two weeks, I'm going to give you very quickly where we are, okay? So the upper room experience, and I'm going to give it to you in a nutshell, Acts chapter 2. It's the day of Pentecost has come. All of them were gathered in one place, one accord, sound like a mighty rush wind. (laughs) Tongues of fire showed up on their heads. They begin to speak in other tongues, right? That's what takes place. Then they're like, man, these guys are drunk. And then they stand up, and like Peter stands up and goes, listen, they're not drunk. It's not that time of the day. They're not drunk. This is what's happened. The Spirit of God has been poured out, and they're speaking in other tongues. And it says that there's different nations that are gathered there, and he begins, and and all the ones that are speaking in other tongues, 120 that are speaking in other tongues, what they're doing now is they're actually beginning to speak in the language of those that they are around who are of different nations. It's the healing of Babel. At the, the Tower of Babel, what happens is they're all speaking one tongue and then they're divided. But in the upper room, it's the opposite. They were all speaking other tongues and then they're united, okay? So the, the upper room experience is the healing of Babel. Now, let's keep going. I'm gonna give you a little more on this and then we'll jump into this. So Peter says all of that. says, listen, they ain't drunk. They're just... Preach, they're preaching the gospel in tongues. And then it says in verse 17, Acts 2, 17, you all turn there. It shall come to pass in the last days. And then he goes on to talk about how he's going to pour out a spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will, men will dream dreams. It's going to be poured out on my manservants, my maidservants. I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. And then Peter says to them, repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ in the remission of sins. He goes on to talk a little bit more about how it's for every generation to your children who's far, and, uh, who are afar off. And then verse 40, and I'm going to read this because this is kind of where we're going to pick up. Verse 40 says, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. And those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, which means they kept having church. In the breaking of bread, they ate together. And in prayers, they had prayer meetings. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. The fear that it's talking about here is not they weren't scared. It was an awe and wonder that, that happened. Verse 44, Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold the possessions and goods and divided them among all people as they had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. 47, praising God and having favor with all the people and Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Five things real quickly that an upper room transformation should lead to. We talked about these first three. I'm going to give them to you real fast. If you weren't here, write them down real quick. It'll break off a prejudiced spirit. If you've had a true experience with the presence of God, you will not be prejudiced. You will not be racist. You will not be sexist. Those things will be rid from you. They will be gone because it's not of God. And if it's not of a spirit, then what is happening when the presence of God enters your, your life, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, guess what? It begins to push those other things out of you and they can't stay. 
So if you have racism in your heart, if you have prejudice in your heart, if you have sex, sexism in your heart, those things, you need to ask the Lord to remove those things by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? The second thing that happens is this, and this really goes hand in hand together is this, is it causes you to see the value of every generation, young and old. Because he talks about, Peter talks about how um, that your, your old men will dream dreams and, and so on and so forth. It talks about how the spirits be poured out on all flesh. Listen, it's saying this. It's saying that every generation is going to be important and is important by the spirit of God. There is, there is no partiality in the spirit. There's differences in the natural, but there's no partiality in the spirit. Every generation should be valued and matters to the oldest, to the youngest. And we can't pit each other against one another, but rather we have to work together. And that is what he's admonishing us in here is whenever he's giving that prophetic uh, uh, reminder, what he's actually doing is he's admonishing us to work together and not be driven by preference, but rather work together as a generation of people that is united in one accord. We're going to work together. That means for high praise, we're going to put emphasis on the next generation. We're not going to give kids butter knives whenever they can have swords. We're not going to give them... Uh, another way we could say it is this. The, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, when it talks about you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, that Greek word there is dunamis, which means this, literally, explosive, miracle-working power of God. We are, not, <laughs> we are not going to give kids poppets whenever they can have dynamite. We're not going to give them poppets to throw at the devil we're going to let them know that, listen, you have that dynamite, miracle-working power of God living and dwelling within you at five years old. And whenever you say things, things can change. You can hear the voice of the Lord, and you can prophesy. You can declare those things. You can declare the goodness of God to your generation. You can prophesy over your generation that my generation will be saved. You can say those things. We're going to teach our kids here that kind of power. Because I'm, there was a whole, there, there's, there's been generations that have given kids, huh, and listen, please understand my heart right now, okay? I watched VeggieTales growing up. There is not anything wrong with VeggieTales. Boom, 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 if you, y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. We've fed them VeggieTales from 5 to 12. Stuck them in a room and gave them VeggieTales episodes and says, that'll be good. And then when they turn 13 and they step into youth, we wonder why they're not laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. We wonder why they're dealing with sin and, and these things in their life. I'm not saying, once again, anything is wrong with those things, but I've never heard <laughs> VeggieTales teach children, you have the power of God living and dwelling within you. And more than just God is bigger than the boogeyman. He's bigger than God. Listen, I still know all the songs, all right? There's nothing wrong with those things. I learned from those things. But there's a cap. There's, and we do that with our children and we stunt their growth, spiritually speaking. Listen, I could preach on generations all day long. This is a topic I'm very passionate about. We stunt their growth because we think, well, the only thing that they can understand right now is VeggieTales. No, they can understand so much more than that. Right. You know, Levi, the age he is, I told him I was going to pick on him some because he's in the room today. Uh, 
Levi, at his age, I'm not picking on him, I'm really honoring him. At his age, he's already understanding to be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And understanding that, hey, Holy Spirit can speak to me. And Levi, he's, he's a sensor. Like, he just, he senses things. He's, he's, a, he's a sense, like, one day he was talking to me, and he's like, man, I sense, I kind of sense, like, what was it, that, that somebody was having pain in their, their, their elbow. He said, I just kind of sense that. We were heading to church. He said, I sense that somebody's having pain in their elbow. And so we got to church and said, okay, you're going to prophesy that then. When it's time, the, the time's right, because glory follows order, we're going to let you prophesy that, because you feel that, you sense it. By the Holy Spirit, we believe it because you know how to hear the voice of the Lord. And so we let him prophesy. And sure enough, there was people in the room that were having severe pain in their elbows. So we got the opportunity to pray over them, to lay hands on them. Listen, your kids can understand so much more than what you're giving them in the spirit. And can I say, parents, it's going to be costly of you. You got to turn football off, boys. I call, I'm, I'm saying boys right now for a specific reason. Because if you want to be men, you got to turn some things off to prefer your family. Men have acted like boys for a long time and are still acting like boys. And listen, I understand, and Levi knows this, and I'm not standing up here saying I, I don't. I, there's not times that I have to do that. There's times that there are things and pressing matters that are, need to be attended to. But also, and there are times that absolutely you need times to rest your mind. There's Sabbath that you need, okay? I get it completely because our kids are with us 24-7. Our home, they were home, they're homeschooled. They're with us at the church. They're with us everywhere we go, okay? Dad, 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 dad. I create a whole song basically of them just saying dad all the time. I get it. You need that sometimes. But listen, when every time they come to you, they want to spend time with you, you say no. You're acting like a boy, not a father. I don't get a preach Father's Day because dad, my dad's going to be here. So I'm going to preach Father's Day a little bit now. You want to be a father that's worthy of honor? Then act like it. You want to be a dad that's, that, that wants their children to grow up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord? It's going to cost you something. It may be turning off the video game for my younger parents in the room. It may be turning off the football for some of the younger and older in this room. It may cost, it may, may cost you how to say, I don't have to work on my car right now and put that new spoiler on it or whatever you're doing. I don't know. I don't work on cars. But, but you may have to say no to going deer hunting or fishing because... Or maybe just take them with you. Like, like you could also do that. Teach them things. Be in, uh, be in part, be part of their lives. I don't even know where I was at. Oh, yeah. So listen, kids are people too, and they need ministry. What do you think about this? Kids don't only have to do with the junk that's going on in their minds. They also have to be dealing with the stuff that's going on in your mind. Because if we're honest as parents in this room, we're not always the best at hiding our cards. And kids know what's going on. Levi can tell you right now, if I gave him the microphone, he knows whenever stressful situations are going on sometimes. And later on when we get in, this goes to show you that the kids aren't stupid. Later on when we get in the car, he's going to remind me of these words right now. And he's like, Dad, remember what you said? I'm like, yes, I know. I preached myself into conviction, okay? I got it. He's, he, kids need ministry. And they need families that minister to each other. Have time together, amen? 
That's a whole extra thing, but here we go. Number three, turns greed into generosity. If you are touched by the transform, transformation of the Holy Spirit, you should be somebody who loves to give, a person who wants to give, because that means this, you understand God as provider. You understand God as provider, so that's what the transformation that takes place, because now you see him in that manner. Okay? So every single... Every single one of these, the reason that it transforms you is because you can see it in the scripture. The first one, you see it transformed because there's a healing of Babel, right? So now I'm not racist, I'm not prejudiced, I'm not any of those things. I can speak to other people in, in language. I can means I can connect with people that aren't like me, okay? That's what it means. <laughs> I really want to go somewhere, I'm not going to. Number two is this. Remember, it was, it was uh, uh, valuing every generation. We hear Peter talk at the value of every generation. If he's speaking of that and prophesying it, then I should also, by transformative power of the Holy Spirit, should also feel the same way. Turns green to generosity. What do they begin to do? They begin to sell things and give to those in need. That's what the scripture shows. But not only that, they begin to recognize God as provider in this way. God gave you life, right? God gave you life. God sent his son, Jesus. Jesus then provides us the advocate, the Holy Spirit, now to live and dwell within us. God shows himself as provider the whole time through. So now when we acknowledge God as our provision, we now are not scared to give because we know I'll always be provided for. Amen? Now, number four. Here we go. Are you all ready? Number four. We're finally getting into this. Number four thing that should take place by the transformative power of the Holy Spirit is this. It should create a yearning to gather with other believers. It should create a yearning, a desire, a want to gather with other believers. One of the reasons we have this church, High Praise Crestview, is because God birthed it. And uh, for any of us, we have a couple people that are going through Next Steps classes right now, and we got to give the history of the church. And you know, uh, we believe it's actually a really important thing, if you're going to be planted in this church, that you go through our Next Steps classes. We, can, we have them about once every quarter or so. I think our next one is in October. Um, we believe it's very important that you would go ahead and start going through those. And as a matter of fact, at the end of this month, we are having our first ever planted Sunday, which means this. We're actually acknowledging new members into the church. We've never done this, so this is going to be a first. At the very end of this month, last Sunday of this month, we are acknowledging new members into the church. And um, eventually it will be um, not a requirement, but it's going to be a strong recommendation. It really already is verbally right now to go through those next steps classes uh, so that you know what you are plugging into. I believe it's important that you know the history of high praise, not just Crestview, but also high praise as a whole, our, our every campus, uh, because we are not the Walmart of churches. Okay, we're not a Canes. We're not a Chick-fil-A of churches like every church looks different, sounds different. We believe the same things, but we believe, I was explaining this to our Next Steps class just so everybody knows, we have, we have four campuses, but every campus looks and sounds totally different. I don't preach Pastor Robert's mess messages and he's not preaching mine. I don't preach Pastor Joshua's messages. Those are the pastors in High Praise Panama City. Uh, Apostle Robert, Dad is the apostle. Joshua's the lead pastor there now. I don't preach their messages. They don't preach my messages. We talk to each other. We share ideas and thoughts. We do some of the same things, but our methodologies and the way that we carry these things out are totally different. This is why we believe every region needs something different. We're very close to Panama City, but if you've ever been to Panama City, it's very different than Crestview. And so 
And Panama City is an over 1,000, 1,000-member church. We're a church of about, our membership, I think, is somewhere around 220 to 250, somewhere in that range, okay? So the needs of our community is much different than the needs of uh, our larger campuses. So I say that to say this, that that God birthed this church, and we believe it's important that you know the history of it. So in the future, join us for our next steps class, find out more about that. But God did, he, he literally dropped this in our lap. And we believe that we're called to this area and this city for such a time as this. And he birthed it to be a community where sane people can fulfill his will. I'm going to say that again. I want you to hear this. He birthed it to be a community where sane people can fulfill his will. Now, same is not what you think it means. Same is not uh, a uniformity and, con- and conformity. It's differences, but still uniting. Because that's what true unity really is. God moves in community or this common unity. Community is a place where unity is common. Community is a place where unity is common. I want you to hear this. This is really good, okay? You can have a place where there is common unity without unity being common, okay? I'm going to explain this to you. You can have a place where common unity, where, where there's common unity, but unity is not common. Meaning this. It is common unity to hate others, but unity is not going to be common there. People can have common unity over enemies and people you don't like, but guess what? At the end of the day, unity will not be common. Where unity is common is where Jesus is the common unity. I don't pick, understand the way I say this. I, the people that I try to run with, are, and when I say run with, yoke to, do this thing called life with, minister with, are not people who have common enemies, but rather common ally. Okay? And we often look for people who have common enemies. Oh, you don't like LGBTQ either, and you think the, that they are just the worst thing ever? Common unity. Let's go, baby. Well, eventually you're going to turn on each other and not like one another. Check. Oh, well, you don't, you don't like... You also... You also said the same thing on Crestly Word of Mouth that I said about the restaurant that just opened up. Man, we got common unity. Yeah, no, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. Some of y'all's minds are just going right now. Community and where unity will be common is where we have a common ally, not a common enemy. And when I say common enemy, obviously, we do have a common enemy because of our common ally. Our common enemy is the devil and the works of Satan. And the things that are being, are happening in the world because of a spirit that's taking place of the enemy. Not, we don't hate people. We don't have a common enemy of a person. We don't even have a common enemy of a, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? A, a coalition or, or whatever you want to, word you want to put on, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, an organization, that's what I was looking for. Or an organization. Our common enemy is not even an organization. Our common enemy is the devil and the works of Satan. We fight not with flesh and blood, 
but against principalities, powers, the rulers in this darkness of this age, spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. That's the things that we war against. Now, do things show up in that? We we preached on this before, but I'm gonna say it again. Do we do things happen in the natural because of a spiritual influence? Yes. But I don't attack the natural. I attack the spirit. I I like. I heard. I heard a little. A littler guy in here say, "Amen." I like it. We don't. We don't attack natural things. We attack spiritually, which means we pray, we prophesy, we declare the word of the Lord. But whenever we're talking to a person, we love, we edify, and we encourage. That is really what you should be doing. Amen? That's the community of this church. That's the common unity of this church. When the day of Pentecost came, they're all together where? In one place. Where the scripture says, in one accord. Listen, the reason they received what God was doing is because they were in a place of community. They were in a room where it happens. They were in the room where it happens. There are some things you will not receive unless you're faithful to gather. There are some things you will miss because of your unwilling and unfaithfulness to gather. Now, we like to glorify people in the Bible, meaning like this. It says there's 120 there, right? In the upper room. We like to think those were heaven's angels that did not have a choice but to be in the upper room. Well, they had no choice. They had to be there. They were people. Imagine Bobby, who shows up, supposed to go to the upper room. I'm just giving you a name. I don't know if there was really a Bobby there, guys. Imagine Bobby, who's on his way to the upper room, and then starts thinking about some things that need to be done at the house. And he's like, mm, I don't think I want to go today. So he doesn't. What did he miss? An upper room experience. Imagine Claire. Once again, I don't know if there's a Claire. Just giving you a name. Who goes, hmm, I really need to get the house cleaned this weekend. So I think we're just going to keep the family home from the upper room or from that room that we're supposed to go pray at and wait for whatever's going to happen to happen. Huh. Whole word right there. And I think we're just going to stay home this weekend and just chill because... I don't really want to go and I need to clean the house. What did Claire miss and her whole family? They missed an upper room experience because their priorities were not in order with the transformation of the Holy Spirit yet. Now, I want you to hear the, the balance of this because you probably hear me now and you're like, oh, he's one of those pastors. Like, you better be at church or I'm calling you the Sunday that you miss. I'm not saying that at all, okay? It's not, it's not the way... It's not the way we work. We, you probably will never be in a church or hear a pastor be more pro. Go on vacation. Like, take your family on a vacation, please. I'm begging for your wife. Take your wife on a vacation, please. Take your children somewhere for the weekend and spend time with them, please. You'll probably never hear a pastor that is more pro-Sabbath, taking time to rest, taking time with family. However, if vacation is every other week, 
then it's no longer vacation. You just created bad habits. If you're taking the boat out instead of going to church every week, every other week, it's no longer taking the boat out. You're just skipping church. Right? You need to gather with community. You need people in your life. But you'll miss things. You think about these kids, these people had kids, sickness was going on, frustrations, disappointments, so on and so forth. Things that you go for go through. But they made a decision. I'm gonna go where the presence of God is. I'm gonna gather where the presence of God is. And at the heart of all of this is this. I want to sit down and preach this, but <laughs> the heart of all of this is this. We have went after, because in our West civilization that we live in, Western civilization, we believe that the most important thing that we can do is the pursuit of happiness. And we put on the back burner the pursuit of presence. And if you will, if you'll flip that, you'll find that the pursuit of presence, it doesn't bring the pursuit of happiness. And the fulfillment, it brings the fulfillment of joy. And the fulfillment of joy will bring you happiness. So I don't have to pursue happiness and run after happiness if I'm pursuing the presence of God because now the joy of the Lord is my strength and now I'm full of happiness because I have the joy of the Lord. Your boat is not going to fulfill the same things that God can fulfill in your life. Go on the boat after church. Go in the pool, go to the beach after church. Pack your bag. Come in your swimsuit with a bathing suit cover up on. I don't, as long as you're somewhat covered, that's fine. Come to church and then go straight to Fort Walton Beach after that. That's fine. But don't skip church because every week, because, oh, it's really pretty outside. Oh, it's raining today. Okay, kids, we can go to church today. We're going to go to church because it's raining and we can't go to the beach. Like, what are you showing your children in that? We'll get to that in a second. It says this, Acts 2, already read it. I'll read it just a little bit again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Y'all still love me this morning, by the way? I'm, I'm going to keep going. Even if you don't, it's fine. Sometimes I don't love myself. You see, though, after the whole upper room experience, God birthed the church into the earth, and this is what it looks like. They gathered. Listen, in order to gather, you got to show up. They ate, they prayed, and it says people were in all of the many wonders and signs. Things changed because people gathered through community. Every day they met together in the temple, it says. You know what that was? Church. Every day. They gathered together. That was church. It is amazing to me when I think about this. I want to be a Christ follower. I want to be filled with the Spirit of God. I want to go after the things of the Lord. I want to go, I want to love what He loves. But I don't love the church. (laughs) I'm definitely not going. I'm not wasting an hour of my Sunday at church. Hmm? These people gather daily. We're just saying show up for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. We don't even have extra services here. 
other than once a month on a Sunday night. I'm not trying. Listen, I did not pre. I did not study this thinking about man. These people have been showing up to church. I'm instead I'm straight. Okay, like no, that's not what I do. I'm going to preach you the truth of God's word because I want you to understand the word of God and the importance of this. If they can do it every day, why can't you do it once a week? I understand vacations, work, different things happen. I get it. But man, when you can be a church, be a church. The statistic today is two out of four Sundays a month for families attending church. That's in a high, like the higher percentage of people who attend church. We're not acting like an Acts 2 church if that's the statistic we're living by. I know many of you have heard it said this way, and I'm going to say it again, and um, I can't tell you who quoted it because it's been said numerous times. But listen, if church is optional in one generation, it will become unnecessary in the next. Meaning this, I love my household. You want to know why? My kids never wonder if we're going to church on Sunday. It is not even a question, unless it's Reagan, because he just doesn't fully understand yet. What the days of the week are. My kids are never on Saturday night. Dad, are we going to church tomorrow? If they did, they know that dad would be like, of course. Like, what kind of question is that? This is not even a question. It's said that going to church on Sunday mornings is a Saturday night decision. I believe it can just be a daily decision. Like, you don't even have to go tell the kids, hey, Kids, we're going to church tomorrow. Your kid is 14 playing Fortnite. He should know that you're going to church tomorrow. And if you're skipping church because they're playing Fortnite, that's a whole problem. <laughs> like, I heard, I heard one. We dealt with one situation one time. A family that said they're having problems with their kid. And some um, obedience issues at home. And... Uh, so the youth pastor asked him, so, okay, you know, a good place to start would be that they start attending youth group. Like, let's start there. That'd be maybe a good place to start. Make sure they're there in youth groups. Well, this is the parent. Well, that's the night that he gets to play online video games with his friends. So that doesn't work with us. Do you want godly children or do you not want godly children? You tell me. If you want godly children, stop just saying, yeah, I, I want to be at church more, but they, they got this going on or I got this going on. No, just make a decision to go to church. I mean, it's, it's really not hard. You know, I, my dad, my dad always taught that the reason I preach so heavy on this, because my dad really instilled this within us, that it's important that the family be in church together. And, um, so much to the point where, and I'm not going lie, to lie to you, it kind of stunk as a kid at times. Meaning, like, I missed out on some things that my friends got to do. But look at me. Am I destroyed? Am I beaten? Am I just messed up? No! I, I, I you know, I, I played a, one year of tackle football, and they, had, they decided, peewee football, like seven and eight years old, they're like, yeah, we're going to have a, a practice every single night. Like, we're eight. We don't even know which way to turn when you say turn left. Okay? We're at practice every night. Well, we have Wednesday night church. You, see what my, you know what my dad said? No. We won't be there Wednesday nights because we have church, and that's important to us and our family. 
Whenever you can be respectful with people about those things, you will be surprised how understanding people can be too. Even if it's impressed upon them by the power of the Holy Spirit and they're just not an understanding person, but the Holy Spirit makes them understanding. I was still a starter. I still played. I was, I was thicker than a snicker at that time. And uh, I played center. I played nose guard right in the front, man. Like, I went, I went in after it, okay? Played every game. We lost every game, but I played. <laughs> I say that to say, it's important to show your, what are you showing your kids whenever you say, yeah, we don't have to go to church today. I understand. You want to play video games. It's okay. No. Johnny, get up off your blessed assurance before I snatch you up off your blessed assurance and smash that PlayStation you're playing on too and get your tail ready for church. My kids don't wonder. They just know. Let me say it like this. I'll say it like this. You should be as vigilant about your kids' church attendance as you are their school attendance. Maybe, you know what? I got it. We should start giving out perfect attendance awards at church. And then people will want to go to church and have their kids there. <laughs> we want Johnny to make sure he gets his perfect attendance award. And that comes to church and I don't know about that. You should be as vigilant about your kids' church participation as you are their extracurricular participation. Hate to break it to you, Johnny's not making it into FIFA. Soccer. He's not going to be the professional soccer player. He plays Crestview 6U, okay? Like, bring your expectation down just a little bit right now, okay? You should be as vigilant as their, about their biblical education as you are their school education. You're not going to let them miss school for some random reason because they want to stay home and play Fortnite. You're going to tell them, no, you're going, to, you're going to school today. We should be the same when it comes to things at the church. We believe that kids can learn history, but we don't believe that they can learn the Bible. That's a problem. I'm about to step on some toes big time. This brings back to the generations, but we're talking about being faithful in church attendance because these are the things that they learn. We believe, and we often can and will, teach kids how to shoot a gun and gun safety before we start teaching them how to use their swords and weapons of warfare. Especially here in the South. And listen, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with you teaching your kids gun safety. If you're going to have guns in your household, you absolutely, they, sh they should know gun safety, okay? Absolutely. They should also know how to use the sword of the Lord and their weapons of spiritual warfare that God's given to them. Don't withhold those truths from them. Now, let's keep moving because I got to come to a close. I got to end this this week. I promise you I'll come to a close. It says this in Luke 4, 16, talks about Jesus. And it says this, that it was his habit to go to the synagogue, which means this. Even though Jesus didn't agree with everything that they preached in the synagogue, he made it a habit to gather and be at church. You want to be like Jesus? Go to church. Well, I don't want to go because there's hypocrites. Well, don't be one then because you are being one by doing that. So listen, go to church. A perfect Jesus attended church with imperfect people. Don't allow yourself to forsake the gathering for trivial reasons. If you feel like the only fellow in the ship is because you're not fellowshipping. You want to feel like there's people that have your back? Then show up where people can have your back. Amen? 
Because of an upper room experience, though, there was a transformation, and it says they enjoyed and wanted to be together and have a good time with one another. Listen, if you're gossiping, if you're still gossiping, you're still talking bad about other people, about your church, about your pastors, don't be talking bad about me, then listen, you didn't have a transformation, you had a soulish experience. If bitter waters are still flowing through you, around the people that are in this room gathered with you, listen to me, you did not have a transformation, you had a soulish experience. Ask the Lord to rid you of those things and have that transformation experience, amen? Lastly, it says, I'll give you this last one, gives you a desire to see the lost come into salvation, which means this, you should want to evangelize. The Bible says that the Lord was adding daily to the church. Not a big box store, not a system, but a family or a community. And listen to me, joining a group is a great place to find a family here at the church when I'm saying join a group, joining a community group. Matter of fact, Saturday, Friday night, Classics had their event and they had a great time. They watched Jesus Revolution and hung out. It was awesome. I love it. We have community groups that are going on all the time. You can check out any of those and just show up to one that fits your uh, area of life, okay? But it should give you the desire to see the lost come into salvation. Listen, we are called to bring the community of heaven to earth. Heaven is a community and the kingdom is a community. At High Praise, our vision is to equip believers, to build families, to further the kingdom of God. Or we could say it like this, to expand the community of heaven. You want to know how to expand the community of heaven? Make people feel accepted and loved into a community of believers. Whenever you can do that effectively as a church and as people... There's community that takes place. People were getting saved and brought into the kingdom left and right from 120 people that had an experience in a room. I don't know how many people we have in here today, but I think it's probably a little bit over 120 together when we count kids and everything. We're probably about 140 to 150 today. Um, this group, according to scripture, can see 3,000 people saved and then added to daily. That's the power of the transformation of the power of the Holy Spirit. I did the math on this. You ready? That means this. At 120 people added it, and there's 3,000 people in one day, that means this. Each person, on average, witnessed and saw people get saved. They, each person saw 25 individual people do that. You are often afraid to invite one person from your job to church. Don't tell me you're evangelizing. So, I mean, that may be what evangelism looks like for you, inviting people to church, but do it. Tell people, hey, come to church. Find a church. Come to my church. Go to church somewhere and be impacted by the presence of the Lord and by the word of the Lord. Share the love of Jesus with them. Don't be afraid to invite someone to church. I'm going to end with this thought. Miss Donna, you can come and play. I don't know if anybody's heard uh, this incredible story. Um, it was of, uh, anybody know who Penn and Teller is? Anybody? There's an incredible story that I believe it is, I wrote it down, I believe it is Penn. He tells, yes, it's Penn. Um, for those of you who don't know, Penn is an atheist, pretty staunch atheist. And he gives this incredible, beautiful story that he was at a, uh, a show that he was doing. And then after the show, he got, comes down and he begins to talk to this man. And this man then looks at him and he had one of those Gideon's Bibles. And he takes the Gideon's Bible 
and basically tells Penn that Jesus loves him, gives him the Bible, and just was very respectful to Penn, didn't beat him over the head with the Bible, didn't tell him he's going to hell because he's an atheist, didn't tell him all these different things that are wrong in his life and how, oh, you cussed in your act, so you know what? You are plucked from the Lamb's book of life, okay? He didn't do any of that. He had a very respectful conversation with him, gave him a Bible, and he makes this incredible statement in the telling of this story, and he says this. First of all, he says, what he appreciated was the guy didn't make it awkward. But then he went on to say this, because sometimes we're known to do that. How much do you have to hate someone to hold back an action that you believe determines whether they live or die? How much, think of just chew on that for a second. I got preached to by Penn, an atheist, when I heard this. How much do you have to have disdain and disgust for somebody that you would withhold from them the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ that they can live forever that they don't have that they can have eternal life through the son Jesus if we really love in the way that we say we love not only will people know us by our works but they're also going to know you by the things that you say how you respect others how you love others now, Penn didn't have some radical transformation in that moment. And I'm not saying that whenever you act that way and you just love people where they're at, that they're going to see some radical transformation. But I tell you what, there's a greater influence on the heart whenever you're like that than whenever you're beating somebody over the head. Because no one's going to listen to that. It's not helpful. It's not even how Jesus did. Jesus gets brought the woman in the adultery, right? And Jesus says, no, I'm not throwing a stone like y'all want to. He who has no sin, you cast the first stone. Nobody throws the stone. But he looks at her and says, hey, go and sin no more. So we've, you've been spared today. Go and sin no more. There's a love in his heart towards this woman, I believe. And it shows forth in his actions and how he acted in that moment and the things that he spoke. Listen, if we love like we say we do, then we will witness and share the gospel. We'll invite people to church. We'll be willing to even be sometimes some awkward moments for the sake of the gospel. I know some of us, we were kind of afraid to ask people to come to church with us or share that good news of Jesus. But listen, if you really love somebody, you'll do those things because it has to do, it has lasting impacts in their life whenever that one person gets saved, comes to know Jesus. Let the transformation room birth that within you, a yearning to evangelize and share the gospel. If you're changed by the Spirit, you'll want to see all these things happen. You'll want to see every single one that we've talked about over the last three weeks. You'll want to see each and every single one of these happen if you're really transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Will you stand to your feet where you are today and just lift both hands to the Lord. I want to pray as we release. I thank y'all. I know I went a little bit longer today, but I needed to finish up the series. Will you just lift up your hands to the Lord right where you are? Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the helper, the advocate. Lord, we thank you for the dunamis power of God that's living and dwelling within us. Lord, we ask that today, give us a fresh experience and transformation of the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we speak and come against any spirit of prejudice that may be lasting. Lord, we tell it to go now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you that we see the value in every single generation.
Thank you, Lord, from the oldest to the youngest. We thank you, Lord. You revealed yourself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of generations. So, Father, we know that it's your heart, that you care for generations, and you yearn and you long to see generations work together. So, Lord, we just thank you for that now. Lord, we give you all glory. We give you all honor and praise. We thank you. You take away our greed and you turn it into generosity. Lord, Help us, Father, see the importance of the reason for faithfulness so we don't miss what you're doing in a moment, God. And Lord, give us that desire. We ask Holy Spirit, give us that desire to see people saved. And I even ask you now, I prophesy over this church that we'll be known as people who evangelize. I just speak effective evangelizing now in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you fill our mouth with the words to speak and the words to say, the actions to take to those that don't know you, Father, to show forth your goodness, your love, your mercy, and your grace. For we know it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. So, Father, we thank you for it now. We give you all honor. We give you all glory and praise. We thank you for what you've done, you're doing, and you're going to do. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen and amen. Will you give God one more hand clap of praise in the room today? Amen.